You're listening to Lost and Sound, a podcast exploring music, identity, and the future. My name's Paul Hanford. I've always believed that one of the best ways we come together is through music. And through this series, I'm looking at how music can and is bringing us together now and in the future. From my base in Berlin, we'll be meeting artists from a range of disciplines from all across the world who are drawing on music right now. Some are already exploring new ways of doing this. Today, I met up with Leticia Sadier from the hugely influential group Stereolab. Hey, how's it going? I hope you're all good. I'm in Berlin. It's a little bit autumnal now. I went and got a coffee earlier on. I took a sip but forgot to take my mask off and the coffee went all over my face, all over the mask. My mask has now got a coffee-shaped stain all over it but it smells really good today you're about to hear an interview i did a couple of weeks ago with leticia sadier singer songwriter and member of what's got to be now surely one of the most influential groups of all time stereolab i was a little bit sort of nervous i guess before we started speaking because I don't know, Stereolab's music and her voice have been a constant musical thing in my life for so long. Like when I was 16, I remember the first time I heard them, they appeared on the popular of the day youth show, The Word. At the time, I think I was like a bit of a grunger. Britpop hadn't happened. There was all these bands from Manchester as well. I was a proper indie kid. I hadn't really discovered hip hop or techno yet. And it just blew me away. It was just, I'd not heard anything like it. You know, it was kind of rough and guitar-y, but it had this kind of stridentness to it and a kind of this sort of sort of chic Frenchness going on as well. And since then, the albums they put out in the 90s and her solo work since then just take me somewhere else while I'm listening to it. So... I was a little bit nervous and I was really excited. This wonderful sound you can hear right now is from her 2017 album Find Me, Finding You, recorded as Leticia Sadier, Source Ensemble. She makes music that, to me, sounds as well-crafted and stylish as a piece of really beautiful furniture. And in other ways, her music can be stridently political. And it's these concerns that come out a lot during our chat, which happened on Zoom a couple of weeks back. Hi. Hey, Letitia, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Cool. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. We're kind of getting used to this whole world of Zoom and 
everything. I'm not fanatical, I must say. No, no. <laughs> I've spent a lot of the time, I feel a lot like, uh, how I remember when I was growing up, how my dad was like with things like VCRs and trying to set the timer. And I've suddenly become like my dad. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate you giving some time here. Um, um, sure. I wanted to just ask how, to begin with, how your year has been so far. How has 2020 been for you? Uh, 2020, oh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a roller coaster. In February, we went off to... New Zealand and Australia, uh, and with a view, we were we had a, a four week tour booked, uh, where we were due to end in China, which we've never visited. So that was pretty exciting, and we were going to go to the Philippines, which I was also really interested in in visiting mm. to, you know, like playing in um, you know, on a territory that's run by a openly fascist uh, dictator yeah and 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 i feel it's it's always good to go to places like that to bring support i mean i know that you know i would i would really love i would really appreciate having some art some kind of dissident art you know mm. of some kind visiting um you know, if I were in, in a situation like that. So um, I was really looking forward to also to experience the Philippines. I've never been, you know. And um, we were going to go to Japan also, which yeah. we um, we the last show that we played with Stereolab were in Japan. So, um, you know, it would have been interesting to, to, well, to go back there to visit. I mean, Japan is always quite an exhilarating experience. So anyway, we we did we did go to to Australia and um, and New Zealand, and we were actually in Perth when you know things just kept on falling off the cliff. So first it was China yeah. that fell off the tour, then the Philippines, and finally, um, and finally Japan fell through. So you know we were in Perth, which is a city that's so far away from everything. It's the biggest city that's most isolated in the world. And and we felt, well, I know I felt very protected there. And I didn't want to go back to London. I was like, yeah. stay here, you know. Well, because I felt that London would be um, just unraveling, you know. Did you sort of spend quite a bit of time in Perth then to put it uh, off? Well, we spent four days. Oh, okay, right, yeah. So in terms of before, it's a long time, but in terms of a lifetime, it's, you know, nothing, so. Totally, in terms of touring, that's quite an epic stay somewhere, isn't it? You can actually get to see more than a hotel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's such um, an interesting way to sort of see what was happening around you by noticing the, to the, the, the places that you were going to visit kind of fall away. It must have felt quite... A different sensation from just being at home and just being aware of something in the world happening but the fact that it was actually affecting your tour at the time yeah it was really a strange sensation of, of not knowing but intuiting that it wasn't going in the right direction all this mm -hmm. and uh so yeah that so we came home and uh and then it pretty much uh, 10 days later or two weeks later, the, the lockdown was, was called. And 
and then it was uh, okay well let's let's put up with this and what can we do to uh, to you know to to not um, uh, decay or you know uh, to maintain a, a sense of um, I wouldn't say joyful existence but uh, to be the best that one can be in these in these circumstances and you know and slowly understanding that our sector which is the live music um, industry was was hit in a particularly bad way and that we would be the last ones to to go back to our you know activity mm. so so that was that was quite depressing you know and um uh, you know, I know there's always uh, worse scenarios out there. You know, uh, people who are uh, self-employed and absolutely unable to 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 make a living. You know, and mm-hmm. and how dramatic that can be when you have children and or when you just need to, you know, uh, subsist to your needs. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, then the lockdown was kind of called off and you know we um i went to france to visit my dad who was unwell and um came back and then i went to france again for a month which was uh which was nice because i was in nature and yeah i could swim a lot <laughs> but, but again i felt i am just kind of protecting you know in an environment that is is only not delaying you know the 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 pain of being back into this uh, I mean I would say British reality because you know in I was just talking to a neighbor and um, that's why I was a little late who's German and and she went to to Germany and she said people are not so crazy panicked over there like we are here well it's, it's strange for me like that because I'm, I'm in Berlin and um and but you know being English and the majority of my friends are still English and in mostly in London as well I this I have two narratives constantly going on the, 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 the panic back home and then here I mean it is here but it's like you can kind of sort of have a kind of an illusion of normal life. You know, it's like, I mean, it's a little bit dystopian, you know, you know, you get kind of get used to putting a mask on, which I don't have a problem with at all and um, get used to like limited tables in places. But each time I feel go somewhere where there's Gesundheit is a, is a table. I feel grateful that that is, can actually still be there. So it is, it's strange the way different places have handled it really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the difference that in Germany you have, you know, 25,000 uh, beds for reanimation and yeah. here there's 5,000 or, you know, there's like, or 3,000. So crazy. when you're much better equipped for something, it's not so panicky, you know, of course. Yeah, totally. And that there's such a lack of faith in the government in any kind of capacity whatsoever that... They they resemble like a kind of nineteen seventies English sitcom, really, in, in the way they kind of get their do their actions. It's just a predictable farce, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. And and I think also the the Brexit adds another layer of anxiety mm. and uncertainty about our fate here. Yeah. You know, so so it's a it's a cumulative thing that 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 results in this kind of 
my God, we're so out of control. You know, it's so out of control here and, and, and complete doom and basically, you know, living the apocalypse or, or something like that, you know, something of that degree. Yeah. Which, which, would it, which it is, I think, also. I think we are going through. I mean, some people don't like the term apocalypse because they think it's religious. But um, I think apocalypse means um, like a realization or something. I, I think I've read. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be able to kind of say, yeah, 100% could quote where from. But I, I'm aware of that there is a kind of a sort of a, a transcendence in a way connected to that idea yes yeah exactly and uh not even you know it's not since covid that we're living you know it's been a number of years that things are really uh, deteriorating very fast Mm. you know and um and it was announced it's been announced for for decades and decades yeah uh, we we don't we don't listen. I mean, I think some people are, are now much more in tune and attuned to those problems and what they can do in their daily lives. But there's just simply zero political will um, to for action in you know in the in the right direction, you know. So that would correct the apocalyptic course, mm. you know. So it's um, like we don't but, have the infrastructure set up to have handled what is going on where maybe some points uh, in the mid 20th century, there could have been a course that might might have provided a a way of kind of making something like this happening, which is kind of basically an evolutionary inevitability that there's going to be things like diseases and stuff. Um, We've just kind of equipped ourselves quite badly for it. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, because clearly the systems put money at the heart of everything, not the well-being of humans. Yeah. Of humans. So, and and I think that's really showing that now. Yeah. And, but you know, I think we still live in a world where um, self-hatred prevails, mm. and uh, and a lot of people still don't see why we should put the well-being of humans. They see it as a complete utopia that well-being, you know, should be at, at the heart of our concern. Yeah. Know? It's not even envisageable, envisageable, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that that could be the case. And, yeah. and that, that's our drama right now, you know, is that we have to really think differently. But if, if you found ways to be creative this year through that? No. 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 I mean, I, I say no, but I'm sure, yes, of course I have. I've done stuff, you know, but I haven't written, you know, a, a, a symphony. I haven't learned how to play the piano. I, I, I haven't learned, you know, for the most part, I was like this in a state of kind of shock. Mm. And, um, you know, and slowly, slowly, slowly assimilating what is what is going on, you know, and and where it can turn to, but uh, but I have I have done stuff. I've, I'm I'm working on on uh, on an album, which I was going to finish this year and release next year, and uh, so I would say it's about sixty percent ready. And and I did advance certain certain aspects of it. 
such as lyric writing on some songs and also uh i've been i started a project of um two cover versions to release a little single it's a um, italian song originally which dalida uh, a french singer in the I don't know. 40s 50s yeah. 60s 70s she died quite young she died uh, age 56 she committed suicide she had a quite tragic um life path but um she was always really naff to me as a child i was like oh i don't like her energy and i still don't actually but recently i heard her song on the on the radio it's called parole 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 yeah ouais. sorry my, my my english my french pronunciation is appalling but, but we would say in french parole 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 uh, she was italian born in egypt and she made a huge career. She was hugely and internationally adored. Mm. She's a gay icon, uh, Dalida. And um, yeah, I always thought she was super naff. But then one day I heard her, her song on the radio. And I thought, hold on a second. This is a very, very nice song. Mm. So I thought I thought to do a cover version. And uh, another one by, um, it's called Ale, Ale Meheyu. May you, Ishete, Ethiopian guy. So I started that. So that's kind of a big uh, uh, building site with uh, with little actually properly built. But you know we have the foundations. Yeah. And uh, and my friend, I don't know if you know Tortoise, the band Tortoise. Yeah, I love Tortoise. Yeah, yeah. So they have three drummers, and one of them. Uh, who's a good buddy, uh, John Herndon, I think is an amazing drummer. He he He's releasing an album under his uh, moniker, A Grape Dope. A Grape and, Dope. Uh, yeah, A Grape Dope. <laughs> and uh, he's also an illustrator and a tattoo artist. It's kind of weird, weird art. And he asked me if I would do a remix. And I've never done remixes. I always thought, ooh. You know, it's not for, it's not for me. But I thought, okay, whatever is not you think is not for you, you gotta do. So so I did a, a remix um, with a friend, my friend Hannes, who, who, who was German actually, and um, good at technical stuff. So together we we totally reshaped, reformed this this song by a grape dope. Uh, I like I like what we did. Very very happy with it. That's so that was a good outcome. And um, but beyond that, I haven't done like the ah oh, you know the massive album. I just I just was totally blocked. You know for the but most there was part. a little bit of a um, I don't know if it was a pressure. Maybe it was a pressure to some people and maybe not to others. But there was this kind of feeling. Um, earlier in the year of like, this is the time to learn seven languages and this is the time to kind of write your, you know, massive epic novel and stuff like that. And I think it did put a lot of people under a lot of pressure when there is basically something bigger going on in the world as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, um, I mean, I've, I've always been attuned to, to, to this, I, kind of always knew there would be at some point an impossibility to move forward the way we're doing, you know, through mm. uh, over 
surconsommation, surproduction, you know, Uber production, Uber consommation, that at some point it has to stop. And, and I'm surprised that we still go to the supermarket and buy all this shit that's yeah. packaged to death, you know, and that's going to be, you know, buying a bottle of shampoo still, you know, I'm like, you know, 20 years ago, we should, we should be going to the supermarket with our own bottles and our yeah. own bags and our own boxes. And what the fuck is wrong with that? You know, and I'm still like, ah, ah. we're still, you know, buying plastic bottles, you know, left, right and center drives me crazy. No. So, but anyway, you know, we had it coming. It's, it's, it's all, the, you know, it's, It's no surprise, really. But um, I think, we, yeah, there, there, there are people who, who, who see these things coming and there are people who see nothing coming, you know, but we're all under one same, you know, on one same boat, you know, and we're all going there together. So we all have to be aware of, of what's going on and we all have to want uh, something better. I mean, some people it's, say that it's only 1%. If we have 1% that has a higher consciousness, mm. how, we, how we have to transform, then that's enough to, to tilt everybody over. You yeah. know? So 1%, I'm like, ooh, I'm hopeful, you know, that, yeah, maybe 1%, you know. But if you need, you know, 51%, I'm like, well, that's going to take more time and more, more drama, for 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 the the message to sink into to people that change is a it's inevitable mm. but also b that we can guide it you know mm. because if we don't and we just let the you know the general vibe okay of people who shout the loudest you know like trump or mm. bolsonaro's or these are people who shout really loudly um Or, or, or the the big companies, the big companies that just want to extract uh, the resources, and and now okay, we we in, you know in the age that we extract the resources from humans through their data, collecting data, you know, and and selling it back to people, you know, that's that's it's completely ca cannibalistic. And what, what do you feel um, can help people? Um lead towards uh like a kind of an awareness uh, i i tend to think that um and that's based on myself <laughs> that you know when it when it hurts <laughs> you're like when it hurts you're like oh well maybe i shouldn't do, i shouldn't be doing that you know mm. and um when it hurts and then there's destruction you know I mean, I have a really low pain threshold. <laughs> so that's why I want things to be, you know, to correct, to rectify things, you know, so that yeah. they operate better. Well, in certain areas, we all have, you know, blind, blind corners. But um, so, yeah, a bit of, um, you know, it would be great if the internet stopped for like, Two weeks or something because then we would have to to learn to read books again and and um you know detoxify from i mean i'm totally uh addict to youtube 
And I see now how the fact that I have it, I take it to bed with me, I don't read. Yeah. You know, that it's it's modifying my life in a big way, mm. you know, with with repercussions. And, uh, and you know, and, and I can see that all this stuff, you know, has impacts us and in a way that we become addicted and we we are not free and the the priority is not to to reorient the path of humanity in a better way and a better direction but assouvir uh, you know to to take in whatever we can you know through the whatever it is that people are addicted to when it comes to uh, being on the internet you know did you when you were in, when you were in because uh, you've being in, in France recently and you said you're sort of surrounded by nature did you manage to kind of detox a little bit then uh, I drank quite a bit of wine uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's true I, re- I wasn't uh, I wasn't on on my on my but I did have wi-fi there in mm. both cases so I you know it wasn't like oh I'm in a shack and I don't have my phone and I don't have nothing. Yeah. You know, just uh, whatever, a few books in, you know, in nature. Like, I, I don't like my phone. I don't like holding it. I mm. don't like the energy of it. I don't like notifications. I don't like when it bings. Yeah. Do you, do you keep your phone not on you sometimes? Do you kind of like, because uh, um, I, I know quite often, I try to, but um, I, I can be quite bad sometimes because I, I think certain things make me feel like I need to use it more than I do, like directions to a place where I probably could just use my mind to work it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell also that my attention span has, has shrunk considerably. Yeah, I don't that like I that either. Have. That's not nice. And I can tell uh, that, um, you know, this thing about the Hall of Mirrors and how I could tell that around, you know, around when when Brexit got voted in, um, you know, like we were all in shock because we thought everyone thought like us, you know, and it's like, ah, no, there's something at work here that is separating us, you know. Uh, yeah, we just have to be very mindful. But um, uh, my son and I watched a, a, an excellent documentary called The Social Dilemma. I've I've seen that on Netflix. I've been. Do you ever have that thing where you go? I know I need to watch that, but right tonight I just want to watch something cozy. Right. <laughs> and right. I, I, it's kind of I might watch it tonight, but I think I saw it the other day, and I thought, no, I, I need to watch. Yeah, just something fluffy, maybe set in Victorian England or something. Like that. <laughs> something comforting, please. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But but this I think this um, I'm, I want to see it again actually because there's quite a bit of information and and there's bits that I missed I had to do something else but um, I, I didn't find it I think it's more of an eye opener than it is something that you know oh my god all this truth this hard yeah. truth I think it's more liberating than it is afflicting. This is a really interesting point actually I think is that. I think also the way news is broke to us, um, there's a perception of like how the internet uses, um, or the way people post news to make people feel down or depressed. Yeah, and yeah. 
which isn't connected often to people giving people knowledge. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and 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 uh, that's that's how they get you, and that's why I don't watch hardly any news because I don't want to ha- be har- harrowed, harrowed, you know, uh, mm. and you know, twelve feet under, like I, and I'm, but for a long time, in fact, uh, I stopped. I was watching news na- night religiously when Brexit was, you know, um, on unraveling, and. And and then I realized, but there's no end to this, mm. you know. There's just no end. There's no resolution in this, you know. And uh, and 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 that was it. So I was done with news. I vaguely read headlines, Liberation Guardian. Just read some headlines, and um, if there's something I really want to know about, I'll I'll read the article. But generally. Uh, uh you know there are institutions that want to keep you hooked and 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 manipulate you in as opposed to liberate you and uh, there's another thing that i watched that i thought was really liberating like this i can't remember um but if it comes back to me you know something that's obviously on a very dark subject but mm. it 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 brings light into the dark subject as opposed to you know te- tearing you down further into yeah. the darkness you know yeah Where i have no interest in being but i no. see a lot of the culture out there is about this darkness and wallowing in it uh, like this mm. and I, i'm just not interested in that you know and you know you were talking a, a little bit about you know our music with Stereolab and and my lyrics and and I think there were they were always about acknowledging the darkness. Mm. You know there was a dark element, but it was about how to how to um, yeah bringing light into it as opposed to um, switching off more lights. You know. Yeah, I think in a way that that is sort of maybe where art comes into its own realm yeah i think art can be so many so many so many things uh, primarily for me art is a is a space that is safe to explore anything any idea no matter how extreme or or light or extremely light you know it's it's a place where we can experiment yeah, it's just this nominated space, mm. you know, and it's called art. And we can see what comes out of, of that, that is there to inspire us, enlighten us, uh, maybe aggravate us sometimes to, to liberate us from fears, which we might have, or to inform us and to make us think differently, to transform us.
how did you discover music? Um, I, th I think from a very young age, and even I was reported to dance in my mother's womb when, um, when I was a baby, when I was, you know, um, not even yet quite arrived. And yeah, always uh, music has always um, appealed, appealed to me like, um, I don't know, I feel it, it's like very cosmic in a way. You know, um, when when I intuit music and what I like, what what are my attractions in mm. music and um, and in others who do music, I feel sometimes we visited the same planets. You know, like um, so. I don't know. It doesn't sound very rational, but that's how. You know, that's how it makes sense to me. And. Uh, yeah, I remember as a child, me, music would really impact me. Songs would impact me. Uh, and uh, I, I'm a bit dyslexic, so I couldn't, you know, reading wasn't my way of escaping, but music was my way. And, 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 and then I got into the kind of indie side of music, which, of course, for a French person was completely like you were super left field revolutionary. So that wasn't going on around you at all? There wasn't like an indie scene? Not much, not in Paris. I couldn't find my peers. And then soon, soon enough, it was clear that I had to come to to to, to the UK and, and I met Tim and, you know, and, and then it was my ticket to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I never left and it's been 31 years. Because, I mean, I was just getting into music around that time as well. And I remember, like, going to, like, record shops in Camden. To me, there was this kind of buzz about, like, I guess there was things like sub-pop. And there was the kind of Manchester thing, kind of just kind of going on and stuff like that. And, and it was all a really new world to me. It was really exciting because it felt a little bit like what the big, cool, older kids that I never felt cool enough to talk to were kind of into and um what what was london like at the time it was um it was um, not like what it's now i mean it, it hadn't been turned into a huge supermarket and gentrification was not even a word at the time and uh fantastic city to go to gigs every night you know sometimes there'd be three gigs that we, we would have potentially been interested in seeing so uh, it was uh, very amazing and had a good scene of people um, you know uh, lending each other amps and whatever and so there was a good community the music in, in among musicians to uh, and we didn't even call ourselves musicians, you know. It was mm. it was kind of on another plane. It was more like to do with um, bringing meaning into your life, you know, through doing this, you know, yeah. this activity that we were passionate about. But it wasn't like, oh, we're musicians, you know, we're artists. Somehow we didn't view it like that at all. There was some, it was quite humble, really. You know, and and, and um, but the the there was an idea of fighting, fighting, um, yes, fighting a certain status quo, 
uh, that we we didn't we didn't agree with. Yeah, and bringing about some excitement in our lives, you know, through our activity and through others' activities that, you know, we fed off each other mm. and, you know, quite different. You know, the bands, you know, Gallon Drunk, uh, Sun Carriage, the Faith Healers, uh, you know, Pram, they're all very different sounding, you know, but as long as it was good, you know, what we qualified as good, um, you know, it was... It, we were takers, you know? Yeah. Because I, I remember the first time I ever saw you was on um, The Word, and it was yeah. French disco being played. And I think for me, it kind of that did feel like that there was something kind of a little bit like protest music about it in my mind, about it. And I don't know what it was. It was just, there was a kind of, it was more like from a kind of stance, yeah, and do shout la résistance, and 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 it's true. I'm I'm glad some something would care, you know, would transmit, translate in those terms. That's that's yeah, that's <laughs> good. <Yeah. laughs> and and there's a sort of way, and I think as well because you know you um, you've always sung in in French and English um, as well. So there, there's people like me who are idiots that basically did about two years of French at school and it was like a really bad lesson that there was no discipline in class and so I didn't pick anything up. That's my bad excuse for not speaking good French. But at the same time, I listened to like Serge Gansberg. I listened to music from all around the world and I, in my head, I feel like I understand what's going on even though when someone tells me what the actual lyrics of like I say a Serge Gansberg song is, I'm like, fucking hell, really? I didn't realise it was that much going on there. How do you see that music transcends the lyric? That words transcend with music. Well, there's there's a lot of languages that that you know come into um, come into you know when you listen to a song, it's, it can be done on on so many levels, and it is done on many levels, and ones that you don't even perceive or you don't you can't analyze. Uh, uh, consciously as you listen like this or unless you focus on it you know some some people they're going to listen only to the kick drum you know mm. and, and how, how it's placed you know so you, you can do all sorts of different listen um, active listening and it's true the lyrics may may come last for some people and um yeah it's just another layer you know uh, the production also can can be a language, you know. The choices that you make, you know, uh, they they're also information that you give out and and a, a way of um, you know crafting, manipulating, you mm. know. Uh, so yeah, a lot a lot goes on when you listen to a song. Yeah, and and you know, your music has always been very very textural. Uh, do you find that, you know, instrumentation as well as a way that you can kind of express meaning? Yeah, are you talking about Stereolab or also about my solo records? Solo records as well, yeah. There's always, always follows this kind of like line. There's, there's like a rich, even when things are really stripped down, there's like a kind of just a rich sort of textural element. Because, you know, indeed uh, with Stereolab and, you know, Tim always 
you know, we, we'd be working with like a minimum of 62 tracks, you know. Minimum. Yeah, mm. like did, 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 layered. So it was rather complex. Um, and And I always thought that the songs were really brilliant and that, you know, they didn't need to have, you know, this degree of, of layering and layering and that they could also work on, um, well, and, and that's what we did also when we released the Fostex versions, you know, the four track versions, mm. which are much more stripped down. And, and I think I quite like those too, you know, um, but um Sometimes it's a way of hiding, you know, it's like putting a lot of makeup and it's like, well, no, Some, sometimes less is more. But, um, you know, I guess it's also all those frustrations that get me into writing my own songs and doing my own, my own, my own work, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but of course, yes, it's true that one could argue also that layering is, um, uh, it gives a lot of depth. And that you can hear each time you can hear, hear a different version of a song, you know, you can hear mm -hmm. more and there's always more to discover. And, uh, and that's, that, that can be really fascinating too. And also like with, with uh, your, uh, with the, the solo stuff you've done where it is more stripped down, do you feel that over time there's more of a confidence that comes out with being confident in a more of the stripped down sound world? Because um, I think sometimes I know when I used to make music that I, I'd kind of think, and this is just my experience, that if I put like three layers of vocals on my voice there, it hides something, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes uh, uh, doubling a track is, is uh, relevant to, to the feel, you know, and it's not a way of hiding, it's just a way of, um, of, of expressing uh you know something maybe a bit more impersonal it becomes more impersonal whereas if it's just one track particularly with vocals then it's more personal you know so it you know it's it's not necessarily a way to hide but it can also totally be and particularly in the beginning it's totally a way to hide you know because because you don't have the experience and it's it's extremely intimidating to be behind a microphone recording a song because unconsciously you know pretty damn well that that's it this take is there forever <laughs> and somehow it's just super intimidating i mean you you know it, it i don't think there's just one way of doing things and thank god for that but um it's true that it's it's more tricky to be essential in 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 the approach and in how you do things you know, it's it's harder to 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 remain very simple, and have something simple and you know, uh, more pure to to express something. You know, and to and to hit your target. And does that for you has that become a thing uh, of kind of experience and familiarity and confidence to uh, have less layers around you? I'm still I'm still in search of that. I'm still working on that. I guess maybe something you reach, you know, in your in your late sixties or something. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I like, and also I feel like with all of the work you've done in all of the guises and who you collaborate with, and that this kind of sort of essence that always feels very much like you, you don't seem like someone that wants to just suddenly go and do like a kind of a drum and bass album. Oh, I would love to work with beats and find yeah. someone to work with beats with that I would love. But yeah, it's, it's, it's true. I'm not that kind of, uh, of person or artist or whatever, you know, who, who follows some kind of uh, formula, you know, or it's uh, my, my art or my music is just too, too much intricate with with me with who I am I don't I do not dissociate I do not compartmentalize and sometimes I should much more you know but that's it you are who you are and some people you know can be much more impersonal in their approach and go okay this year I'm making a reggae album or making a whatever and they set out to do it and and they can do it you know well or not but they they do it you know, and I don't, I don't have that capacity. And and okay, I would really like to work with beats, and I wish I could make my own beats. And I bought a sampler actually, mm. so um, I'm hoping to uh, to to do to learn it in the next three months. But first, it's a bit daunting. So I plugged it in the other day. It's like, okay, so you can't just open it up and start playing with it you have to first okay download something because it's not up to date okay ah but to download this you need to download that thing uh, okay so and then uh, it's so conditional whether you you're going to get to learn this thing you're going to really want it and um well anyway i went on holiday and i left it here <laughs> <laughs> i was uh, when, I, when i'd have like a bits of equipment and i'd have to do that i'd, I'd start reading the manual and then I'd get to the point where I could just about use it. And my intention span in exactly. terms of reading manuals is very short. So it's like, I think I'm okay on that amount, you know, and um, maybe I didn't learn, I wouldn't learn how to use the whole, it could be this whole amazing world that this piece of equipment could do, but I'd just be like, no, I, I think I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we're all a bit, we're all a bit like that. You know, we don't read the manual like from page one to yeah. page whatever, 500, you know, it's just, you just, I don't know anyone who reads manuals, you know, through and through. Um, Letitia, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you. And Have a good rest of your day. And That was Leticia Sadia. I'm so grateful to her for being so open and honest and sharing her thoughts and feelings and, and really not holding back there. Thank you so much. Um, I noticed that this morning, looking 
online that the Grape Dope remix she did is is now online. It's really awesome. Check it out. I also went to check out that Deleter track as well, uh, which I kind of thoroughly enjoyed and kind of noticed. I don't know if it's just a version that I heard, but the version that on YouTube anyway that I heard had um, it was a duet with uh, the iconic French gentleman Alan Delon, who is one of those guys that just looks just too cool, really, just too cool. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're holding up and finding beautiful little things in, in every day. And I'll speak to you soon. Have a good one. You've been listening to Lost and Sound. Written and produced by me, Paul Hanford. Title music by ESO. also heard excerpts of two tracks from Finding Me, Finding You by Leticia Sadia Source Ensemble. The tracks are Undying Love for Humanity and Committed. A big thanks to Kieran Yates in the UK for mastering the levels. And this episode is being hosted by Bear Radio. And you can check out other English language podcasts from Berlin by going on bearradio.org. And if you enjoyed listening, please hit subscribe and leave a comment. It really does help. And you can also donate to the production costs of Making Lost and Sound by buying me a digital coffee at coffee.com. Link in all the socials. Thanks for listening. Take care and speak to you soon.